Good morning. It's good to see everyone here this morning. I uh, hope I have something to say that might encourage you today. Uh, if you're a visitor, we welcome you and welcome you back at any time you have the opportunity. As Brother Yancey said this morning, I'm going to be starting another series uh, that we're going to go over the things that Jesus said while I was on the cross. Um, and we're entitled the series, Crosswords, What Jesus Said on the Day That He Died. You know, final words mean a lot to us. Sometimes a lot of people remember the final conversations they had with a parent or grandparent before they passed. And we can take those forever and for a long time because they mean something to us because it's the last thing that they said to us. You know, I remember my granddad before he died, we had a particular conversation and it was about, I guess about three weeks before he died and it was the last time I was up there before he died. And I can still remember that conversation quite vividly because it was the last time I got to talk to him. Well, we're going to go back and look at the, some of the last things Jesus said while he was on this earth. And uh, it's a good way to look into the character of Jesus, look at some of the things we can learn from the character of Jesus, look at some of the things he was concerned about when he was about to die, and take some things from that and learn from it, and that way we might be better Christians. You know, he said seven things on the cross. There are several different things that were recorded in the New Testament that he said while he was hanging on the cross. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. He also said, today you will be with me in paradise to the thief on the cross. Woman, behold your son, and son, behold your mother. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It is finished. And finally he said, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. We're going to be going over all of these throughout the next seven weeks. Uh... There will be several lessons. Hopefully you will be able to attend all those because I believe this is going to be a very good series. There are a lot of good things that we can learn from the final words that Jesus spoke. Today, though, I've been asked to cover what we find in Luke 23 and 34. And in Luke 23 and 34, Jesus says this. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And they divided his garments and cast lots. You know, let's think about that statement here for just a second. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. The same people that took him before the Sanhedrin council in the middle of the night, when that was against the Jewish law at the time, they were supposed to be done in the day and in the open. The people that blindfolded him and slapped him and said, if you're a prophet, tell us who slapped you. The people that took him before Pilate and said, we want you to take care of this problem because we can't sentence him to death, but you can. That's basically the gist of what they said whenever they took him before Pilate the first time. And Pilate says, oh, this man's not from here. Send him over to Herod. So they sent him to Herod, and then Herod goes, I don't want to have anything to do with this man. Send him back to Pilate. And then Pilate says, I find no fault with this man, but maybe I can beat him, and that will make, make the mob subside a little bit. So they took him and they beat him. They put a crown of thorns on his head and mashed it down on his head. Mocked him by getting on one knee and bowing the knee to the king. Putting a robe on him. And then Pilate brought him back before the people and goes, look at what I've done to him. Isn't that enough? And they said, no, it's not. And Pilate said, I have one more out. There's a tradition at this time of year where I release one prisoner to the Jews. I'm going to give, pick the most vile person I have in the prison, Barabbas. He was part of a surrection. He murdered people. He robbed people. 
Surely they won't want him back. So he brings Barabbas out. And he said, who would you have that I release to you? And they began to chant Barabbas. Now that had to be a shock to Pilate because that people knew what Barabbas had done. The people had known why he was in, in prison. But they yelled, release Barabbas. And he said, well, what would you have with me that they called Jesus? And he said, crucify him. And they began to shout out louder, crucify him, crucify him. And finally, Pilate had a, bottle of water, uh, a bowl of water brought out. He washed his hands and said, I wash my hands with the blood of this innocent man. See ye to it. After he'd been beaten and put through all those trials, then he had to carry a cross. And he was so weak from the beating, he couldn't do it by himself. He had to have help. And they compelled a man to do that. They got him there. They nailed him to that cross. And you know, when I was younger, I kind of, I didn't understand all of this. And to me, I was like, well, maybe he was like he was a superhero and he couldn't feel it. He felt every time that hammer hit the nail. He was a human just like me and you. He felt the pain of every time, every time that whip hit his back, every time the hammer hit the nail, they drove into his hands and feet. He felt it. And then they hung him on that cross with a, si a sign over him saying, Jesus, King of the Jews. Mocked him a little bit more. And this were the people he was asking for God to forgive. Now, I want to say, I would, I would love to say that would be my thought, but I guarantee you that would not have been my thought. If I had the power to bring down legions of angels, I said, get them down here now. I'm done with this. But his thought was, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And sometimes we think, well, that's easy to say. But in that moment, I guarantee you, that was not the easy thing to say. <laughs> After he'd been through all that. You know, sometimes it's easy to say, yeah, I forgive you. Sometimes it's easy to do that, and then we really don't. But at that moment, it wouldn't even have been easy to say much less actually mean. So let's look on some things on forgiveness this morning that we can learn. There's several quotes on forgiveness. You can look it up on the internet. There is no love without forgiveness, and there is no forgiveness without love. And we know how important love is if you've read through the Bible at all. Jesus loved these people. He said, Father, forgive them. He loved them even though they were nailing him to a cross and going to end his life that day. Maya Angelou said, it is one of the greatest gifts you can give yourself to forgive, forgive, and forgive everybody. That's why some of the quotes that the world has on forgiveness. Let's go into the Bible now and start looking about what the Bible says about forgiveness. In Ephesians 4 and 32, and be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. You know what the problem is a lot of the time? We're just plain not kind at all. We're rude and mean and belligerent. I can't believe you treated me this way. We're not kind and we're not tender-hearted. We're hard-hearted. We believe if you did me wrong, you're dead to me sometimes. But is that what Jesus did as he was there on the cross? No, he said, forgive them. They know not what they do. In Matthew 6 and 14, he says, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. And then later on in that verse, he says, but if you don't forgive men their trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father forgive you. So i got to forgive my Jesus, and if I don't, 
He's not going to forgive me? That's right. Sometimes we think of forgiveness as a oh, it's all personal thing. If I don't want to forgive him, I don't have to. No. If you want to be forgiven by Jesus, you're going to have to forgive others on this earth. And that's just the way it is. If you want to hope that was talked about in the prayer of living in heaven one day, you're going to have to forgive people. It's not an option. It's not something that Jesus said, do it if you feel like doing it. You know, a lot of you know my dad, and there wasn't a whole lot of times where he told me to do something. He goes, well, if you feel like it, go ahead and do it. That just didn't happen a whole lot in my family. This isn't one of those things where it's like, okay, I don't feel like doing it, so I don't have to do it. That's not how it, how it is. Because I don't believe, this is just my personal belief, I don't believe Jesus probably really felt like <laughs> this is not something I want to forgive, but he did it anyway. When we take the want to out and figure out how to forgive people, that's when we're more Christ-like. Let's look at Hebrews 8 and verse 12. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Remember we're supposed to forgive as God through Christ forgave us. But you know what the popular thing on this earth is? I will forgive, but I won't forget what you've done. That's what's the popular thing now. Oh, I'll forgive you, but I'm not going to forget about it. I'll bring it up every time I see you. That's not how God forgave us. He says, I'm going to remember it no more. There's not going to be a memory. I'm not going to bring it up. It's gone. It's erased. It's not there. And that's how we are called to forgive people. If, you're, if you've said you're forgiving somebody, you bring it up every time you see them, have you really forgave them? Probably not. But that's how the world views it. Yeah, I can forgive it, but I'm not going to forget it. If we look at Matthew 18 and 21, then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him, up to seven times? Now, every time I read this verse, I go, what did somebody do to Peter? I just want to know what somebody did to Peter seven times that he's asking if he has to forgive him. Have you ever had somebody like that that no matter... No, no matter any time you see them, they always feel like you're doing something wrong to you. And that's my first thought when I read that. What did, what did, what did somebody do to Peter just me kind of wanting to know? But that's really not the important part of this verse. The important part of this verse is in 18 and 22. And Jesus said unto him, I do not say to you I'm to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Now, I don't believe Jesus says you do sit down and do the math about 70 times seven. Okay, once you've done that, you're gone. No. He's saying anytime that they want forgiveness from you, you give it to them. And that's hard to do. If somebody's constantly doing stuff to you that you feel is wrong and you feel wrong, that is tough to do. Well, how many chances am I supposed to give this person? How many chances am I supposed to give this person to disrespect me? How many chances am I to give this person to hurt me? How many chances am I supposed to give them? And Jesus said as many as they ask, up to 70 times. No, not just seven, Peter. As many times as they ask for it, that's what you're supposed to do. Let's look at Romans 12 and 17. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. You know, don't get mad, just get even. Is that how we approach the world? You know, whenever I was a kid, the big popular thing uh, for a slogan for the glad trash bags was don't get mad, get glad. And that's pretty well true. Do we say, okay, somebody wronged me, so I'm going to get even with them? 
Jesus had the power to get even on that day if he really wanted to. If he wanted to, he could have called the angels down and destroyed every last one of them. Why do we have that mindset so many times that it makes myself feel better just to get even when after you get even, you still feel bad about it in the first place. You're still angry about it even though you got even. Or you, in your mind, you got even anyway. That's not how it's supposed to be. We're supposed to forgive them. Don't get mad. Don't try to go out and get even with everybody. You know what the problem with that is? You're going to spend your whole time, whole life trying to get even. You're spending every waking minute trying to get even with somebody for something they did to you that you considered a slight. It'll consume your heart. It'll consume your mind. It'll just consume you to allow that to start happening. In Luke 17 and 3, Take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. That's what Jesus did on the cross that day. They were sinning against him, but he forgave them. You know, it's so easy, so easy to say, no, I'm just not going to forgive you. you. What you've done is too bad. You don't understand what that person did to me. You don't understand how that hurt me. I'm just not going to do it. I can't forgive that. It hurt me too bad, cut me too deep. When the Savior was sitting there taking his last breath and one of the last words he said was, Father, forgive him. Now, I don't know your situation, but I'm pretty sure in this country, most of us haven't been that close to death with somebody wanting to kill us for the cause of Christ. If you have, maybe you have, I don't know. I don't, like I said, I don't know everybody's story here. But even in that moment, we're supposed to be forgiving people. You know, there were people, there were stories of Christians all throughout time being burned at the stake, being fed to lions, dying, praying to God, singing songs to God. Not screaming at the people that were killing them, not threatening the people that were killing them. Not any, they were just singing praises to their God. Can we be that way? You know, it's really easy to forgive people I, I know and I love very well. But what happens if it's a stranger? You know, I've told this story before. Uh, I guess it's been a couple of years back now. I was at one of my daughter's softball games. And it was a close game. And she ended up scoring the winning run. And it was a really close play. And this lady that I'd never met before in my life, never seen her before in my life, proceeded to call my daughter a derogatory name and say that she was out. And let me just say kindness and forgiveness was not on my heart at that time. I went off. I told her what I thought of what she said. But you know what? That's not the way I should have handled that. And we could tell a lot when I started talking, starting getting angry with her. She knew what she had said was wrong and she regretted it, but I just kept letting her have it. Is that the way Jesus has called us to be? No, it's not. It, may have felt, it felt pretty good at that moment. I'm, telling, I'm not going to lie to you. It felt pretty good. But once I was in the car riding home, that's when the guilt and shame started to sink in just a little bit. And I'm like, man, I really shouldn't have done that. That didn't accomplish anything. It made me feel better for a moment, but it didn't change anything. It wasn't a soft answer. If it had been a soft answer, I might could have accomplished something. 
But instead, I focused all my wrath, and it didn't accomplish a thing, except making me feel better for about that long. We need to make sure that we forgive people and not have that kind of anger and hate in our heart that causes people and callousness in our heart that causes us to treat people that way. Proverbs 11 and 2. When pride comes, then comes shame, but with the humble is wisdom. You know, there's a lot of problems when it comes to forgiving people, but this is number one. My pride's not going to allow me to do it. You know, whenever you say, you don't know what that person did to me, that means I'm so much better than them, I can't believe they did that to me. Do we ever allow that to happen, get so prideful that, oh, I can't believe they did that to me? I'm not going to forgive that because how could they do that to me? If you want to be a, forgive, a forgiving person, pride can't take place that. You have to be a humble person to be forgiving. Because you know what? In most times when you have to forgive somebody, it's your pride that's hurt the most. It's not something physical. Most of the time it really would hurt your pride. There may be times where it may have gotten a little bit, it may have caused you some physical pain. That's, that's, I'm not saying that that never happened, but most of the time I believe it's my, pride, my pride's wounded and I'm not going to take that. I shouldn't have to take that. Have you ever said those kind of words? This is just stuff I've said. I know I've said it, so I'm thinking other people probably have said these kind of things. I shouldn't have to take this. I shouldn't have to put up with this specific person. I have better things to do with my time than to put up with that. All that is is my pride telling me I shouldn't have to deal with anything like this. If you want to be a more forgiving person, you're going to have to be a humble person. It's, it's almost impossible to be uh, prideful and be forgiving. Another thing that gets in the way of forgiveness, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. You know, too, too many times we get angry. And when we get angry, we lose all control. You know, my kids like to say that's granddad because he's short and wears a suit all the time. I go, I don't think granddad would like that comparison considering that's supposed to be anger. But are we that way? Are we quick to get angry or are we slow to wrath? You know, that day out there at the softball field, I was pretty quick with it. She probably really hadn't even got the words out of her mouth before I started. Now, what I want you to notice about this verse is the verse doesn't say don't be angry. It says, be angry and sin not. You know, anger is an emotion. Sometimes we get angry. Sometimes there are things that make us mad. But can I be mad and still treat you in a respectful way and, for, and listen to what you have to say? And then, it, can I be angry and still forgive you? Yes, I can. It's just the fact that I have to sit down and be willing to control myself to do it. I can't say the first thing that flies into my mind and fly off the handle and expect that to happen. You know what I've noticed at this though? As I get older, I'm getting better at this. I don't know why that is. I'm getting better at controlling my temper a lot more than I was when I was younger. Now there's still things that sometimes happen and I, I can go off. But we need to seriously work on that. That's something you can work on. You can work on controlling your temper. I've heard so many times, say, well, I got mad and I couldn't help it. Yeah, you could. You just chose not to. You chose to get mad and say what you could. You could have chose not to say what you did, but you went ahead and chose to do it anyway. There's nothing that said you had to. I, that said I had to chew that woman out in that stance. There's nothing that said that at all. 
That's a choice I made. I could have been angry and not handled it that way. I just chose not to. So if you want to be a forgiving person, don't let your anger control you. You control your anger. Another thing that gets in the way, looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. Have you ever been bitter against somebody? You know, when I really think about it and I looked at the definition of bitter, it was like what Peter did. Peter goes, how many times do I got to forgive this guy? It's somebody that I have to forgive a lot. That's somebody that just gets on my nerves. That's when I can start seeing myself being a little bit bitter. Bitterness destroys the soul. Forgiveness liberates it. I wish I could find who... I, I looked and looked, but I couldn't find who that quote's credited to, but I love that quote. Bitterness destroys the soul, but forgiveness liberates. But you know what I want you to really notice? Bitterness doesn't start off full-blown. It says any root. You know, we plant... Amber has always wanted to go to the California and see the redwoods. Have you ever seen a redwood seed? It's no bigger than any other seed. But it grows into a massive, massive tree. It grows into a massive, massive tree. And you look at it and you go, how'd that happen? It happened over time. Bitterness develops in your heart and takes anchor in your heart over time. It's not something that just happens immediately. That's why it says, be careful. Look out for the signs of bitterness creeping into your heart. Because once bitterness takes over your heart, it's really hard to get it out. Just like those trees. Have you ever tried to remove a small tree? That probably didn't take a whole lot of work. It probably took a little bit of work. But have you ever tried to uproot a 50-year-old tree that fruits are deep? You never get it all most of the time. Most of the time you'll go out the next year and you'll start seeing stuff start springing out of the ground where the tree's starting to grow again because you didn't get all the roots. It's the same thing with bitterness. It's easier to get out of your heart if you find it early enough. If you examine yourself and say, oh man, I might be getting a little bit bitter. Let's get this under control. Because once it's full grown, it is very hard and it takes a lot of pain and work to get it out of there. You can't be a bitter person and be a forgiving person. That's just not, it just can't happen. But you know what's really sad about this bitterness thing? It affects nobody but yourself. You know, if you're bitter towards somebody, they might just brush it off and go, hey, no big deal. But you think about it 24-7. I can't believe they did that to me. i got to do something about this. What am I going to do? I can't believe they're that evil of a person. And it just makes you a miserable person to be around. You think you're being bitter against somebody and you're doing something to them. When you're not, you're just doing it to yourself. Let's not let bitterness creep into our hearts. and we Because if we allow that to happen, it's going to not allow us to be the forgiving person that God has called us to be. You know, Jesus had a real reason to be bitter against the people that, you know what, I described what he went through that, that day. He had some reason to, be a, to have some bitter thoughts and be bitter against those people. But that wasn't his attitude that day. So let's not let bitterness creep into our hearts. So, don't let pride get in the way of, your, of forgiveness. You know, that's something, that's, uh, like I said, I think that's the biggest, biggest problem we have today, especially in this country, where pride is looked on upon as a virtue almost. You hear people all the time saying, I can't believe you're doing that. Don't you have any pride? Well, 
I guess maybe not. I guess not enough to your standard. It, pride is almost considered a virtue in this country. But don't take that attitude. Don't let pride get in the way of being the forgiving person that God wanted you to be. Don't let your anger get in the way. You know, I said it's not a sin to be angry. It's a sin not to control your anger and to sin while you're angry. That's the problem. So don't allow your anger to control you. You control your anger and be the forgiving person God has asked you to be. Now, I know that's really easy to say, and in the moment, it's really hard to do. So you know what that means? We're, we're going to have to actively work at it. We're going to have to think before we speak. We're going to have to think, do I really need to say this? Is this, is this just something I'm saying because I'm mad, or is it something that really needs to be said? And finally, am I saying this because I'm angry, or am I saying this because I love the person I'm saying it to? If you think about those things, it'll be much easier to control your anger. Now, I'm not saying it's ever going to be easy, but we can't just say it's going to be hard, so I'm not going to work at it. Don't allow yourself to become bitter. You know, find, search your heart. Look at your life. Look at what you've been, how you've been treating people. Look for those little signs of bitterness that are starting to pop up in your heart before it takes complete control of your heart. Don't let bitterness overcome you. You overcome your bitterness. Again, that's something that's really easy to say, but something that's hard to put in practice sometimes. Forgive as God has forgiven you. Now, I don't want to give off the illusion you're going to be perfect at this. I don't want to say you're going to be perfect at this. But do we even try? Sometimes we let our anger and pride get sold in a way that we don't even want to try. We don't want to sit down and have that conversation because I'm mad, I'm prideful, and I'm bitter. I don't want to even have the conversation. I don't even want to try. Now let's think about this a little bit different. I want to ask you a question. Jesus says if your brother sins against you and he comes asking you to repent, you forgive him. But does he have to ask to repent for me to forgive him? No. There's nothing in the Bible that says you have to ask for my forgiveness for me to give it to you. There's nothing that's in that at all. They may not even care if you forgive them, to be honest with you. If it's somebody you really don't know well, they may not even care if you what you think. But you can forgive them anyway. Let's be like Jesus and be a forgiving people. You know, you hear stories all the time of feuds. I mean, you hear about the Hatfields and McCoys, which were a big feud. You hear about all these big feuds. That if somebody's pride, anger, or bitterness wouldn't have gotten away, it could have been killed very early on. And you wouldn't have, those names wouldn't be associated with those things. As we close this morning, I want to leave you with a little story. There was a man in, uh, he was actually a, a Church of Christ preacher in, uh, right after the Civil War, and he employed some African Americans. And he was in the South, so some of the people that didn't agree with that decided, we're going to hurt this man. So they burned all his fields. All, his, all of his fields. And you know what? He didn't do a thing to them. He replanted he forgave them. 
And he ended up being one of the largest farmers in Mississippi, even after all that. There was another man, same area of Mississippi, that hired some black men because he couldn't afford to hire what the white men were wanting to charge for the wages. They did the same thing to him. And you know what? He spent the rest of his life trying to get even, trying to repay them, being angry, being bitter, being resentful. And you know what? He died penniless with nobody knowing who he was. He was just a bitter old man nobody wanted to be around. Now, I wish I could tell you that that story is true. I read it in a book. So the book was supposed to be based on historical events, but I, to be honest with you, I did some research into it and couldn't find out if that was a true story or not. But we get the principle here. There's one man that got over it and lived his life. It didn't affect him. He lived a happy life. He had a family. He had a good farming business. And I know that's not the goal that we're talking here today for stuff on this earth. But being a forgiving person will help you out on this earth. Or you can be the man that's resentful, bitter, nobody wants to be around, and die penniless with nobody caring. And then have to face God in that state. Do you want to go before God a resentful, bitter, unforgiving person? Because, just a warning, if that's the way you enter before God, there's a greater chance you're going to hear, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Now, I'm not going to say it's going to happen because it's not my job to judge. But I know if you live your life that way, there's a greater possibility that you're going to hear those words. And if you're a forgiving, loving person, there's a better chance you're going to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. What do you want to hear on that day? Do you want to stand with your pride and your ego and your anger and go, I'm not going to forgive him, I don't care. No, I, care. I can almost guarantee you nobody's going to stand to God and say that. But is that the kind of attitude you're going to want to die with that way you meet him that way? Or do you want to be the humble, loving, forgiving person he's called you to be? It's not something you can't work on. It's not something that's impossible to achieve. You're not going to be perfect at it. Don't get me wrong. But it's not something that every person in this building can't get better at. So are you willing to do that? Are you willing to become that forgiving person that God has called you to be? Maybe you haven't been. Maybe you need to get some bitterness out of your heart. Maybe you need to get some pride out of your heart. Maybe you need to learn to control your anger. We can help you with all these things if you just come as we stand and sing.